As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, this is Catherine Dean, the host of the Hype Girl Podcast, and you're listening to your favorite Blockhead Podcast. Where else can you find a show that combines a passion for the Peanuts comic strip and mixed martial arts? Well, that's what you can expect from the host, Brian, as you sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for an entertaining ride. Now, let's start the show. Broadcasting live. Good evening, Blockhead Nation. Thank you for stopping by once again. You are listening to your favorite Blockhead. The only podcast in the podcasting world that can somehow incorporate the Peanuts comic strip one minute and then be talking about MMA and warriors inside the octagon the next. I am your host. My name is Brian Little. I thank you for coming by in anticipation for this show. The hope was that we would have our beloved Brother Sin back on the show. Dear friend of mine of the podcast, those of you that might be new may not know about our friendship. Me and Kevin go back a ways. We've been doing back and forth episodes for about three or four years now. It's kind of hard to keep up with. But he had a little bit of a... He, he, t- he took a bit of a tumble. Oh, that sounds like something on Seinfeld. You'd have to know that episode to <laughs> know what I'm talking about. But uh, I spoke with Brother Sin. He is out of commission at the moment, so I just told him, hey, you take an evening for yourself and just get better. We'll talk to you when you are fully 100%. I don't think he will mind me saying that at the end of the day, the show must go on. I am still responsible to the Blockhead Nation to provide you with content and provide you with some updates and a few things that I might have on my mind or on my chest. So I don't... There, there will be a day when he comes back on the show. We will, he's welcome at the brick wall anytime. But moving forward into what I could talk about tonight, it's just, you know, we did have a little bit of a format, and I said, okay, am I comfortable transitioning into something else? And the truth is, I have been comfortable in my own skin, flying solo, recording my own voice for a long time. This is not something that is truly a hard task for me to do. Yes, I was one of those kids who had the tape recorder that had side two of the audio cassettes and made not necessarily my own mixes. I didn't want to be a DJ. I had, There was something about talk radio that just had my interest. I didn't always know what the shows were 
but I know that I practiced a lot of my speaking abilities on side two of those cassettes. Sometimes it was just simply telling stories. A lot of them were very erratic, and there's not really anything that's worth preserving. And as you know, eventually those tape cassettes break, because the, the, the inside tape is as fickle as actual masking tape is. So as you know, they're going to give way at some point. If you don't know that, go back to the 80s, take a look at some of those old cassette tapes. So that's where I cut my teeth before I started doing this podcast, was just being in my walk-in closet and just pressing record and just seeing where it took me and whatever might have been on my mind that day or whatever I could make sense, uh, hide nor hair of. And so since now, I am flying solo on this podcast without Brother Sin until he is fully restored and he has a speedy recovery from his ailments. Until that time comes, I have to come in and provide you with something that I had to think of on the fly. And what I thought of was there is an episode where Linus does not... Again, he's the most philosophical one out of everybody on the Peanuts. I've talked about this before. I can't get mad at the fact that the world knows who Snoopy is. They know who Charlie Brown is, but they're not very familiar with every other character. And I feel like I haven't done a lot of due justice with Linus, but there is an episode where Charlie Brown has revealed to his best friend that he is in love with the little red-haired girl. That episode is called, you know, this is a truly brilliant name for an episode, <laughs> You're in Love, Charlie Brown. I mean, you, you can't get any more descriptive and unique in, than that. But there is a part where Charlie Brown is actually being accosted. Maybe I should go back and just start with, they are headed to school and it's almost the last day of school, and Charlie Brown realizes now that the clock is ticking, that he has got to tell her how he feels before the summer comes up, where he won't have an opportunity. He'll wait clear till, till, till September if he has to, is he going to do that. So he has a lot of failures leading up to this point of an embarrassing moment in class where he's supposed to read about his, his essay about Africa, but he ends up reading out loud, Dear Little Red-Haired Girl, I've been longing to meet you for so long, you know, it's an embarrassing moment for him. He walks back to his seat in defeat, and, you know, Linus says to him, you, you made a complete fool of yourself. You know, we all know how that is. A comforting word from a friend. You know, those friends who you're not going to get any sympathy from. So there is a moment there where that's truth, and then eventually he tries to persuade him to go and talk to her that he can't just sit around on the on the sidelines and never approach her because he'll then regret it. So there's plenty of back and forth, but at one point, Linus has one flaw in his approach that I noticed in this episode. In You're in Love, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown is approached by the mean girls. That would be Lucy, that would be Violet, that would be Patty, that would be the the clique, that would be the trio of girls that are just school bullies to him. But if you look at it, there's a... Of all the things to get upset at Charlie Brown over, they say it's over something he said in class. Now... Me being an educator, I know how he could have stopped this dead in his tracks. And Linus being more of the philosophical and the one who has a lot more of a sensible and logical approach to things, except for, you know, regardless how you feel about it, maybe his his opinion about the Great Pumpkin. Now, I take his side on that anytime. But Linus has an approach where he does not defend Charlie Brown in the correct way. He responds out of emotion. The girls gang up on him and they say... The teacher asked about why there was so much rain in Oregon instead of the rain in Spain. It was a legitimate geographic question. 
And we all know that the precipitation is going to be a lot more heavy on the coastal territories, anywhere in the United States, all the way to Australia, anywhere along the Ring of Fire. And no matter what country you look at, people just tend to gravitate near water sources. And even if that's the case, the precipitation is going to be a lot heavier unless you move inland. Well, there's a part where they say the teacher asks why there's so much rain in Oregon, and Lucy yells out, and he said, meaning Charlie Brown, that they have a lot of clouds. Okay, that's not the worst insult in the world. That's not the biggest reason to laugh at someone. But Linus makes a fatal flaw here. He reacts out of emotion and says, There you go, attacking poor Charlie Brown, especially when he's vulnerable. How can you do that? This man is in love. Let's it slip. Now there's a lot more ammunition for him. And the girls make up this little jingle about how your face is too darn round for anybody to love. Now, of course, that's going to work on anybody's emotions. But let's think back for a second. What could Linus have done to improve this situation? Instead of steering into it the way he did, coming at it head on, he could have simply turned to the girls and said, Can you tell us why there's so much rain in Oregon? That would have closed the books completely from the get-go. Let's just look at both comparisons again. The girls say, You were really dumb in school today, Charlie Brown. The teacher asked about why there's so much rain in Oregon, and your answer was, Because they have a lot of clouds. And Linus acts out of emotion and saying, There you go, insulting my friend again. How dare you? He simply could have turned around and said, Well, why don't you explain to us why there's so much rain in Oregon? Knowing how it works in the classroom, you want to talk about the best approach to classroom management? Ask them an open-ended question like that. Ask them why. And see how long the room grows quiet. I am not kidding you. One fatal flaw that he made as well thought out and as uh, Socrates' secretive approach that would come from Linus, of all people, and then you could have that moment of Charlie Brown saying, Thanks, Linus. Hey, that's an easy way to solve the problem. Instead, you have him acting out of emotion. But then, to, to, to bring this full circle and make sure that you know, because I know not everybody is going to listen to You're in Love, Charlie Brown, and they're not going to go back and watch the entire episode. I get that. Finally, Charlie Brown wants to work up his courage, and he eventually misses his chance. The little redhead girl gets on the bus in the wash of all these kids on the last day of school, but she slips him a note. The note says, I like you, Charlie Brown signed, the little red-haired girl. Well, of course, he's going to go into rejoice, and that's how the episode ends. That Just wait till September. Things are going to be so much better. I'm going to be a somebody from now on. The very last scene, you see Charlie Brown say, Good grief. How will I live until September? I think, Charlie Brown, we should just take it one at a time. Maybe you should worry about your baseball season before you worry about approaching the little red-headed girl. Let's get through baseball season first, my friend. Blockhead Nation, thank you once again for tuning into this episode of the Your Favorite Blockhead Podcast. This show is sponsored by KitCaster. Guys, did you know that having a podcast is a great way to grow not only your personal brand, but your business? Here's the secret. We all want to feel connected to brands we buy from. And what better way to humanize a brand than through sharing your story on a podcast? That's where KitCaster comes in. KitCaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. Whether you're an expert in the field or you just have a unique story to share, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with 
Kitcaster. Go to the link at kitcaster.com slash blockhead to apply for a special offer for listeners of this show. That's kitcaster.com slash blockhead. You'll find that in the blog. You'll find that in the notes for today's show. Let's get back to the episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our scripture reading for the day is going to come from Luke chapter 22, verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, this comes straight from the foretelling of Peter's denial of Jesus. If you're not familiar with Luke 22, it really goes through about how the prophecy has to be fulfilled, that Peter does need to deny Jesus three times. But as you know, towards the end, he's also going to approach him again and say, if you love me, then feed my sheep. But again, this is all foretelling. Hear these words again. Strengthen your brothers when you have turned. Okay, There's a lot of call for edification with that scripture. So I challenge you for that, guys. Continue to sharpen iron. There's a lot of that that happens in the YFB network. We guys love to take care of each other. Also with the ladies that have joined us. Also, if you haven't checked out the YFB network, there is a lot of really good podcasts. You can become very spoiled very quick if you go check out those shows. But there's been a lot of banter between several parties back and forth. I'll leave that undisclosed to you on who inside of the network has seen or hasn't seen Mortal Kombat. But I finally sat down and watched Mortal Kombat all the way through. And if you're waiting for my verdict, well, then here it is. I can only give this movie, starting off with some positive and some negative, I can only give this movie, to an extent, a smidgen above substandard. Now, people are not going to like that. If you're wondering what that falls on on a numbers level, on a scale of 1 to 10, then I'm giving it between a 5.5 and a 6. I am not giving it a degrading grade like some of these other online reviews, such as one of them was called IndieWire. I'm not sure how legitimate that website is, but it was a dressing down of Mortal Kombat just in every way. I mean, but for, I would think it's, it comes down to this. If you are an avid gamer, then you are probably going to find things that are in that movie that are very disappointing for you. If you are a person who is post-1995, who only can look back to Mortal Kombat and can enjoy the theme song that most people recognize when they're at a Friday night football game or other events or a hockey rink or things of that nature, then maybe there is something there for you In Mortal Kombat, where there is a lot more quality, there's a lot more evolving of the characters, it does seem like there is some confusion. For for instance, I know there's a guy on there that's named Jax, and I've heard that his, I'll throw it out there, his arms were ripped off by other characters at other times. One one time was Goro, but since the big emphasis for this movie seems to be Sub-Zero, you know, I don't want to give it away from anybody that's watched, but Sub-Zero seems to be the one who's going to rip off his arms. I think that was in the preview. So I can't get in too much trouble for those who haven't watched it. And I'm just a very hard person to please 
with movies. I feel like maybe that's being spoiled from the early 90s with comedies that are martial arts such as Three Ninjas into um, martial arts movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, going on into the Kill Bill volume series that was out there, amongst all these other different things that have been in cinema already, and there's not a whole lot of surprises to me on this one. I'm able to look at it and go, okay, I recognize some of you. I know who Kung Lao is. I know who Sub-Zero is. I see the Scorpion reference there. Oh, I see. Maybe that's Smoke. Okay, that could be Reptile. These guys are starting to pop up. Oh, I see Jax is on there. Sonya is on there. Johnny Cage. I can see there's a lot more of a reversing role from Liu Kang to Johnny Cage that's in this new adaptation that they have in 2021 versus the one from 1995. So maybe if you were looking for something better in quality of the film, then I can see what you mean by that in 2021. But if you are an avid gamer and you follow the storylines that are there, I can see why this one can be a total letdown for you. I almost feel like I'm the middle of the road. Some of the guys in my network are going to understand this reference. There was an episode of BuzzFeed where Stone Cold Steve Austin came on and he started trying these cocktails that he'd never had before. He tried, what was it he tried? He tried the birthday teeny and he didn't like it. He actually liked the Cosmopolitan. He he liked the green apple teeny, sort of. He was not a fan of the other two, the Jolly Rancher shot. He was not thrilled with those. So his answer was like, I've been hearing about this illustrious drink, and he simply makes a bit of a face and looks at the camera and says, not a fan. I think that's going to have to be in my approach. As far as this new Mortal Kombat movie, not terribly a fan of this one. But am I upset with anybody that happens to like it? Of course not. If this is your forte, then by all means, enjoy the movie. There was plenty of action in it, and there was plenty of the storylines that I can follow into the tournaments. I can see where the connection was. As far as the video gamers who really know the backstory and have followed this for a long time, I can see where the letdowns can happen. But, you know, if I'm a person that can shut off my analytical mind, I'm really not able to in a lot of these movies that come out. Now, so again, if that is a letdown for you, just know I did not dress it down near as bad as Andy Wire did and some other guys that are in the YFB network that have things to say. You're going to have to tune into their shows to find out what that is versus the other ones that are over-enthusiastic about it. Again, I am fine with whatever approach you have. I'm going to have to go with middle of the road, just above substandard, between 5.5 and a 6. That doesn't mean it's a failing grade. It certainly doesn't mean that it gets a B average in my eyes. But again, I'm actually appreciative of the fact that I sat down and watched this. Yeah, there are parts of it that I enjoyed. There's parts that I could anticipate right away. But, you know, and also I can appreciate that there was some showing of some MMA fights that were happening early in the, in the beginning. You have the fight in the cage. Now, that one had a very big fall from grace right off the bat. Now, that one kind of is a segue and a tie-in to two of the fighters that I have in mind when it comes to MMA. There's two guys that have had an illustrious career and just seem to be in different spots on the back end of where they were. One of them happens to be Anthony Pettis. Now, Mr. Wheaties Box himself is going to make his debut in PFL. I'm all for that, but as you know, that is not considered the big leagues. If you don't know, the UFC is always going to be considered the big leagues. So if you can't cut it in one organization, then you're going to be having an opportunity in places like Bellator, and places like One Championship, or we'll go into PFL. Even a Legacy Fighting Alliance might be an option. There are a few others out there. Ryzen Federation, there's so many that are defunct. But the UFC is where the big boys play. And so if Anthony Pettis is going and bringing his stardom, I'm all for that. But is that a bit of a fall from grace? It's kind of hard to tell at this point. But one that is really 
just hit me hard when I saw the breaking news for this. It looks to me, according to all UFC uh, sources that are online, that Tyron Woodley has been cut from the UFC. Now, that's a guy, if you just think a few years back, this is proof that careers are short and they are fast. What is your plan B following your top of the mountain when you go to the UFC? Because Tyron Woodley, for a time period, was the baddest man in the welterweight division. Defeats Robbie Lawler at UFC 201. Still remember that to this day. Goes on and has a substandard on his level fight with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Cannot solve the puzzle of Wonderboy. Then we go on to see him lose the title to Kamara Usman and to lose to Colby Covington at this point. But of all that being said, here I am anticipating other fighters to not make the cut, and I see in breaking news that he is now a free agent. My, what a fall from grace from somebody who held one of the most illustrious titles in the entire UFC, in the entire divisions that are out there. People know the welterweights. Very much defined by GSP, George St. Pierre. People know the middleweights, very much defined by Anderson the Spider Silva. What a fall from the top of the mountain to now be a free agent. We're not sure which way he's going. But I'm not going to kick sand in his face. What I am going to do is this and say, Tyron Woodley, for the times that you were the champion that you were, for able to attain that welterweight belt, thank you for your career. Thank you for what you were for the organization until your exit. And I know some people are probably going to be saying, well, Blockhead, are you forgetting a couple of his shenanigans and his antics a couple of years back? I'm looking back further than you're thinking. I'm giving this a huge historical timeline just on where the big ups and downs of the welterweight division were. For somebody to defeat Robbie Lawler is a, an accomplishment in itself. For somebody to take the belt from Robbie Lawler is an accomplishment in itself. So I wish you the best moving forward in your career, but it is a reminder that a fall from grace can happen at any time in this sport. And it makes me wonder about what we're going to experience tonight with Usman versus Masvidal. Because people keep asking me, what is your anticipation? Now, my belief is this. When you look at the two, who is the better well-rounded athlete? I'm going to have to go with Kamara Usman. But as far as the better brawler, oh, you know it's Jorge Masvidal. This is a guy who used to be in street brawls, who would lie about his age to be able to get in there and make a little bit of chump change to provide for his family fighting these rough and tumble dudes back when we had the days of Kimbo Slice. Jorge Masvidal is a brawler from every angle. To every extent, he is a brawler. When it comes to the well-rounded athlete, the wrestler, to the fast striking, to being able to make it to the five-round club, again, I give Masvidal all respect for going as quickly as he did into training for Usman and then to make it for the full five rounds. I give that to him. But there's also something weird that's happened, even though... If he's going to finish him, he's going to have to finish him fast. If this goes past two rounds, I'm looking towards Usman. If he can get it done early, then by all means, Masvidal could be holding two belts simultaneously. But that's my question. As far as the other belt, why is nobody talking about this? Only one belt is up for grabs. One title is being put on the line tonight. There's a second one. One that doesn't have any lineage. The brainchild of Nate Diaz. What's happened to the BMF title? 
Why is it that Jorge Masvidal can continue to hold this title and not mention it in the press and there's no discussion about it at all? What happened to that? Does that mean he's going to have two simultaneously tonight? Is he going to be able to hold that? Again, you don't have any defending of it. Is this gimmick something that we're just going to sweep under the rug and forget about moving forward? I have to ask that now from a fan's perspective. Are we going to see one that is indiscreet, one that is going to be non-relatable and non-relative from this point on, or is it going to be something that one of the biggest stars of the sport is going to be holding high tonight if he takes the belt, the welterweight championship, from Kamaru Usman? And only time will tell. I hope that I have talked you into the building. I hope that you are considering watching the pay-per-view tonight as we put our predictions on the line, all of us in the YFB network, from Usman versus Masvidal to Rose versus Zhang to the Bullet versus her opponent. Now, that's that's bad that I'm sorry slipping in my mind. To know that Anthony Smith is going to be opening the show that Weidman versus Hall 2 is going on. This is an excellent card, but the question is... Once we have the end result, what's going to happen, not so much with Jorge's career, but the fall from grace that's happened with the BMF BMF strap? What happened there? Are we going to have a narrative moving forward? I guess we will find out in due time, and we will see you guys next week. Same Blockhead time, same Blockhead channel. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.